Welcome to another episode of the Augmented Podcast. Augmented brings industrial conversations that matter, serving up the most relevant conversations on industrial tech. Our vision is a world where technology will restore the agility of frontline workers. In episode 79 of that podcast, the topic is the future factory. Our guest is Günter Beitinger, SVP of Manufacturing, Head of Factory Digitalization and Head of Product Carbon Footprint at Siemens. In this conversation, we talk about digital transformation of the factory floor. Augmented is a podcast for industry leaders, industrial engineers, and shop floor operators, hosted by futurists Trun Arnevenheim and presented by Tulip. Günther, how are you and welcome. Thank you, John. I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for having me here with you. Yeah, sure. So I thought we would have this conversation about an interesting topic, the future factory. Of course, as we have talked about, uh, people are trying to implement the future today. Mm-hmm. So, so before we kind of get to that topic, I, I wanted you to uh, explain to us how you became so involved in this topic. Uh, and, and I've looked a little bit into your background, so I understand, you know, you were an industrial engineer. And you know, that's your education from Nuremberg. You also got your PhD in, in electrical engineering, and then you, you have spent a long time at, at Siemens and had a long career there. Um, and over the last few years, it seems like you've been running a, a bunch of different factory initiatives, mm-hmm. uh, including smart factory and digital initiatives there. Um, and, and now has, it has evolved into also looking at sort of carbon footprint and other things. So that's sort of what I had understood from your background. What did I get wrong and, and how did this all happen? No, thank you for the summarize. Actually, very fine. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, from the research you did uh, exactly, that is a little bit my, my background. So how did it come to this? Um, that's a good question. Actually, as you said, I started as an engineer um, studying industrial engineering focusing on uh, electronic production and production automation. In parallel, um, I was also interested in in business administration, but here not in the classical business administration. I was looking into the um, internalization of external effects uh, of uh, our economy and our industry. That was at this time, I mean, uh, really not a very common topic and I even didn't know what what for but I just was interested then after my time at the at the university and uh, involvement in a lot of research collaborations and and project with industry I went uh, on to a delegation into uh, the United States and uh, implementing new production lines for the automotive so here already implementing new technologies in a very high dynamic and increasing environment, building up clean rooms and uh, applying um, new technologies. Gold wire bonding was very exciting for me. And uh, the, the improvement, always to improve the process, was one of our goals always when we were uh, introducing production lines and then later running it. That brought me into the context of the lean philosophy. And that, um, from my point of view, that never, never 
Let Me Go. I always was very fascinated by Lean. So I started to have uh, my first, I took my first classes in the University of Michigan. And each year I went there to meet with the experts there and to learn more and more. So, uh, Gunter, maybe you can clarify to us what it is that fascinates you about Lean, because it means so many different things to different mm -hmm. people, which is kind of strange given that there are so many classes in Lean, so you would expect that there was a common core here. What, what, what does it mean to you? So first of all, when you go into the Lean uh, philosophy, it, it, uh, you get touch with, uh, with the methods, with the tools. But later... Uh, at least for me, I understood applying these methodologies and tools serves for a deeper understanding how to run a business and also how to guide people. It reflected for me a new, completely new leadership style. Uh, of course, you think always from the process. You would like to take out the waste of the process. But on the other hand, you always offered support to your people by solving the problem, assisting them, and at the same time, building up competences with these people so that they are able for, for problem solving at their own. And uh, um, at this, at the end, was always building strong teams for me. And this was fascinating for me. Coming from the tools, it... it it delivers you methods, it gives you tools, but these are just uh, like a bus you take uh, to, to bring you to a new uh, location. Uh, and this new location is a complete new mature team which is able to solve problems and uh, to, to have this idea of continuous improvement. And that is what I was fascinated me. Uh, because I, for my, it is going very, very deep into the philosophy means also self-reflection on that, what you are doing and how you can, uh, can uh, um, influence the team to get stronger and, uh, and, and, and more efficient. And that was, was fascinating me. Um, Günther, this is fascinating for several reasons, but one is, you know, as we will move to talk about now, digital transformation, so often it's digital transformation talks start with the word digital. And, and for you, that's not an obvious choice, uh, it, it strikes me, because you start from the people angle and you say, okay, you've been influenced by the lean process tools, but it's, it, it would seem to me that as we're going to talk about digital it's not just digital to you. It is a transformation of the teams through the tools. And, and are you including the digital tools in that lean tool set? Or is that just technology? Is that just kind of a third factor? Uh, how does, that, how does the yeah. technology angle come in to you when you are trying to make factories more efficient? I just want to try to understand how you even kind of get to, to, to picking up that type of mm -hmm. tool. I like your question. Really, it's it's many many times the digital transformation is seen from the technology point of view. Applying a technology in an uncertain environment on a certain topic um, that is the technology driven, um, let's say, um, 
methodology. But from my point of view, I would always prefer to come from the value-driven uh, uh, point of view, uh, which means uh, what problem you would like to solve and uh, what is the root cause of it and what is the best process and which technologies are serving this process. And the technology, when you think in this way, is exchangeable. What today can be the right choice and the right technology might tomorrow not be because you're looking with this technology to, uh, to get an, um, a functionality. You would like to get something solved with it, but you don't make the technology as the main purpose of doing anything. The, the, the process is it. Maybe it's just giving a very um, strange example. Maybe cutting by by water beam seems uh, a solution to to cut something very efficient, and you have at the same time the cooling effect. Maybe this is good at the moment, but then later there comes other laser technologies we are, which are not heating up the material, and then you can replace it. But still, you are thinking about which problem you wanted to solve and not making the, the, the technology its purpose. And Is this kind of the... Uh, this is what engineers have always called first principles, I guess, and then Elon Musk and others famously have picked up on, you know, way after Aristotle and the philosophers were thinking this way. You're trying to solve a problem. You're not trying to, to sort of encode a tool as as a necessary path i could not have better phrased it i always say digitalization and the digit and the, the the fourth industrial revolution technologies are pushing lean to its limit so that what lean wants to reach with with now with the digital technologies we are even we can come closer to reach this this um this uh, one piece flow for example mm -hmm. uh, digitalization will help us in full transparency in real time observations uh, in um, an absolutely uh, event driven um decisions made by machines to reduce downtimes. All this can technology deliver. But to serve an overall purpose, which can be one piece flow or uh, first time ride, whatever you, you are underlying have in your mind, and then, uh, and then you, you, follow, you follow your material flow, you follow your information flow. And that is mm. what counts. And the people, still we, we, we have this. This is technology made by people for people. And, uh, and we have to understand in a certain way or we have to see that we have this paradox of digital transformation. The more we bring in automation and digitalization, the more skilled people we need to keep this all up and running. So, Günther, I wanna I wanna 
Not to put you on the spot there, but you said something that I find important. The more technology you bring in, the more skills you have to have. It seems to me that it's perhaps a little bit too easy to put it that way because you're essentially now arguing against what we just said. Because if the technology itself was simpler, then the reskilling wouldn't actually need to happen in a certain sense. And, and, and the, the way I want to put you on the spot, and, and of course you're not responsible for this approach, but if you think about it, you, know, you work for a, a company that's embedded in, in sort of the, the German approach uh, to Industry 4.0, which has been kind of going worldwide, right, for the last few decades. And it's a, it was a German government initiative initially that formulated Uh, the key thinking around it, and it's been part of a very concerted industrial strategy. How do you now feel about it? And I don't know to what extent you feel responsible for this movement, I guess. How do you now feel about this initial push to Industry 4.0, given what we just were talking about, uh, which is the the importance of not just looking at it as a technology push? And and then maybe we can can get to this idea of whether technologies can become easier or, or whether they are marching towards complexity and, and, and we're stuck in this reskilling conundrum? For the German and the European government, it is the right approach because the more automation and the more digitalization you introduce into a factory, of course, the more efficient the factory gets. But what you're taking out is unskilled or lower skilled people. What you mm-hmm. trade in is that you need more ski- skilled people to make up and uh, to keep up and running the whole system to understand really the uh, how everything is connected together. And when we are looking into these countries, of course, there is this demographic challenge. We are getting older, older, uh, and less young people are than. Um, available and these young people are more prepared in in, in general um, and they are more um, affine in digitalization in automation in technology so for these countries it is absolutely the right approach to keep their economy up and running definitely because you are getting less dependency on the people, on of the amount of the people. But we have to face reality that we get more dependent on skilled people. And this is this paradox on what we are trading in. Well, it is paradoxical, but, but I guess it also just depends what kinds of skills we are trying to teach people. Mm. And would it be would it be fair to to say that the kinds of technology that currently exists, if we say, you know, not talking about the future factory, but today's factories that have digitized, a lot of the interfaces that they have digitized on don't really match the reality of what young people see in their social use of technology, right? If you think about it, mobile interfaces, you know, the way they interact with TikTok or, <laughs> or social, other social media you know, and some of it fairly advanced, right? Gaming platforms, other yeah. things. And then they get to industry and the interfaces they're faced with there. They may be complex and require skills, but I guess my critical edge here is, are those skills really that advanced or are they just unnecessarily complex? We're getting better. 
Yeah, I, 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 I get your point, of course. Some of them still maybe if, especially I were looking in small, small and medium sized companies are, yeah, very traditional. So when you're thinking about the user experience and uh, how, um, how the interaction with these uh, platforms uh, and with the solutions are, but we are getting really better. It is going, we are going into this uh, direction and uh, maybe some example here, what, what we are doing. Yes. Uh, um, we are introducing smartwatches in our factories so that the people are able to communicate with each other or get, or get um, ad hoc uh, notifications of quality problems, material shortages, or some machines who are, may need some assistance. And, um, and, and, and our workers were keen to get one of these because, of course, they have them beside of these uh, very work, uh, uh, of these uh, functionalities on the daily work. They also could track their solution and, and, and their, their physical conditions and, and, and so on. So mm -hmm. this is something where we are trying to use this experience, what they have from other um, interaction of sports or so with the work. What we are also are going uh, to do is to think uh, digitalization now from an individual perspective. And this is very interesting for me, what we called human-centric um, operations or augmented workforce. So <clears throat> when we are thinking of the evolution of productivity, maybe just for the uh, for the audience here. So when uh, when we go a little bit little bit back in the time, so we started uh, with uh, focusing on the value part, shortening tech time, um, and uh, and improving always these these um, the the uh, value part of our operation. Lean have taught us, yeah, that's good, but. Um, you have to take the waste out of the process. Uh, so you, you improve your throughput time. So you improve your, improve your tech time, and then with Lean, you improve your throughput time. And um, over the time, of course, we learned, hey, uh, we have to think about our workers in this uh, context. We have to design our workstations ergonomically. We have to think about... Uh, easy to understand user interfaces. We have to get them the right information in the right content, in the right time, in the right way on their workstations. <clears throat> and, uh, um, and we have to take care, last but not least, uh, for their physical and mental health. This is the more or less the status quo where we are, and we have come a long way to understand that this we have to take care of, of the, our people. But now we are adding even additional uh, topic to this. Now we are thinking in reverse what digitalization is able to do for the individual person in this job, what he is doing right now, by taking into account his, um, these, his physical conditions and also his competences. And here we are reflecting already that maybe the work content are changing due to digitalization. We, 
we have to support them that they can fulfill the requirements what we are expecting. But also we have to see what these people, um, how can we support them on an individual level? And this is a completely new way of looking onto digitalization in addition to that, what I just have described. Günther, this is fascinating. The individualized factory worker, it's an oxymoron. It, it didn't exist before. That truly is mind-blowing that it's even possible to contemplate, right? I mean, because, of course, personalized health, this concept has existed in other fields that yeah. previously provided mass services. But if you apply it to a factory, it almost seems unreal because the very definition of a factory is mass production. It, exactly, but digitalization gives us the the possibility to it, and 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 all the technology. If there is a laser, um, in, in on top, uh, um, a lightning laser, not not anything which has um, uh, so much power to hurt or to to uh, to even harm our workers. So, just the uh, a laser who is showing the person what and where to assemble something uh, in, because he has not done this um, too often or that he switched this and he knows which one is on the workstation. This is very personalized and individual and it allows the person to grow with the task. Just a very simple example. Okay. Or um, if someone has um, coming from another country and he has different language uh, and then everything is just presented and even maybe a natural language presented to him at his workstation. That's very personal. It increases motivation. It, it makes the people more sure in that, in, in that what they are doing and, um, and prevents um, failures, um, downtimes, and so on. So there is a mutual uh, benefit for thinking in this direction. Günther, you have experience with transforming some 20 different factories in many industries uh, across, you know, health and electronics uh, and, and across companies mm -hmm. and, and, you know, obviously in many, in many locations, in many countries. Um, so I wanted you to maybe just reflect on the difference between sort of running a large manufacturing network in Germany, U.S. and, and China um, compared to your home factory in Hamburg where you are able to actually walk in and, and, and initiate things almost, you know, uh, because you can literally see what, what needs to be done. M can you try to reflect on, on these two different situations and w what has been, how different is it when you can walk in and actually observe and make uh, literally, you know, eye contact with, with the problems at hand and sort of what sorts of things have you been able to really also watch as they evolve as digital change initiatives at Amberg versus some of these other ones where you are obviously have more of a bird's eye view, even though I'm, I'm assuming you travel there, but you have more of a bird's eye view. So in other words, to what extent is change still for you as a leader dependent on being there and touching and feeling uh, what the changes are and watching them unfold versus being able to kind of scale and plan it on a, on a worldwide basis? Mm, that's a challenging question. Um, so when you're thinking, if you want to scale your approach, you have, uh, from my point of view, 
um, you need to, first of all, uh, clear and um, harmonized uh, vision and a message of what you want to achieve together. And I mean really together so that everybody buys in. Uh, it is not that... Uh, that that is an individual target also it must be really something you would like to achieve together and when i look back how we are we're uh, getting into this momentum so first of all we looked in all factories how what they are doing and really appreciating that what they are doing and what they already had uh, done in in regards of digitalization and and and, and their uh, forward thinking and then uh, we also tried um, and that was really something very very important that we all speak the same language that mm -hmm. uh, even if we are talking about uh, industry 4.0 let's say fourth industrial revolution or when it comes to a uh, process description we were not sure that we are talking really about the same things uh, mm -hmm. and uh, we really needed time to discuss our um, point of view. And uh, then when the people understood themselves, we did this in, in several workshops, we together defined so-called reference processes. And this is back to lean, it's like a North Star, together but based on processes, on reference processes. When you say, what are our reference processes and uh, a factory can be described mainly in five uh, main processes. You have your new uh, product introduction, new machine introduction. You have your uh, planning and scheduling. Uh, you have your maintenance and your quality process, just to say that. Then, then, of course, there are then many, many underlying processes. So we describe these main processes in a very waste-free and very advanced way. And we never thought and we never expected that all factories are will be at, at the same maturity state at the same time. What mm -hmm. we was working out was kind of a orientation roadmap. This was everyone has to do or should do to uh, be able to manage the upcoming future and also to... Um, contribute and to, uh, from the solutions and the experience of the others. So this is the scaling uh, aspect. And we also never made a baselining. We said, you start wherever you are, and this is where we want to go. And now you know what we would like to reach together, and you define your next steps. And then, that is the different part, we brought expert people together and this is maybe different we were not asking for hierarchy in our program we were asking for the experts we wanted the experts in our identified five working groups so the five working groups were like clusters we said hey we're working on digital twin we are working on um, robotics we are working on uh, uh, these processes, manufacturing, execution system, we're working on new ways of working. And so this is the, 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 the new collaboration way and uh, big data and analytics. And so we brought these experts into the groups and not hierarchy because every brain counts, not 
not the hierarchy counts. And, and, and we, we uh, together then they defined on what will be the next solution. They will work together. What is the difference here to that is that you have to um, be working together out a common vision, a common roadmap based on processes and not on technologies. That was our learning, what we just had before. The technology is then the underlying um, um, solution which you're choosing, but it's not the purpose. It can be exchanged over the time. And, of course, every factory manager in his factory has then the task to motivate his team and to give the complete uh, freedom and and also uh, the the the, the confident and, and trust that they are making the right decisions in their levels and that is the momentum what we tried and what really worked incredible good we we, we increased productivity from three to seven percent on shop floor in uh, in in these four years which is outstanding um, everybody was uh, just uh, keen to work in this program. Everybody wanted to join because there was not um, a KPI and goal setting up front. So the, 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 the targets and the goals were coming from the team and proposed to, from, uh, to the team with the underlying solution and not coming in like management. Here is the goal and... Uh, you bring the solution. So it was really a bottom-up approach. What uh, we think is very important when you're going for a digital transformation, because in a digital transformation, in my point of view, there is the value aspect in digitalization is just applying digital tools, digital transformation, value aspect is in. And of course, when I go in my factory, then here it sits on me, to discuss with them and ask them uh, what what was that, what they learned, which problem they wanted to address with this solution. Is there anything, what they need, what they have learned so far from it? These are my discussions in the, in the shop floor with my people um, um, to, to see how can we improve this approach. That is... A little bit uh, the difference what I see. Looking for scalability is key here, of course. And this is why we are empowering our teams that they work together from the different uh, plants on a topic, on a, on, on an, in working groups, on together on a solution. I was fascinated by everything you said here. I want to pick up on one uh, uh, observation you made. You said that the experts on the brains count and the hierarchy does not in this kind of change process. Is, so that's a striking thing to say for a bunch of different reasons. One thing that I could pick up <laughs> on is if the brains count, then why are they not in charge? So in other words, do you see leadership in a factory as like, the leadership is just an administrative necessity and those people don't need to be smarter than everyone else. And the brains are maybe harder to identify so you can't allocate expertise to management position. Or are you simply saying that expertise is 
a different kind of expertise. So, you know, you have to have some people kind of running it formally, but some of the experts will necessarily be much more important in a change process. That doesn't mean that these experts should always be in charge. I'm just trying to figure yeah. out what, what does it really mean when you say that the brains count, but the hierarchy doesn't. So, And I'm assuming you, you're limiting it to this very specific issue of a transformation yeah. change and not to running it on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think most companies... Um, still are thinking or just are ruled by by the traditional pyramidal hierarchical system so um, but what we see is of course the solutions and the ideas are coming from the um, engineers who are really are in the tasks which are really are trying to implement it to solve it of course, managements have to give them possibility to, to be creative. Mm -hmm. And that is then the new, new, new way of leadership. They have to think about how to develop their people. This is one main topic at the moment, uh, not just passing on tasks. So develop their people. And this is what I mean. Here it is, the, the, the brain we are... One example when I come into digitalization is that it is so diverse. There are so many aspects. It is really hard to follow and always to be up to date. It's so dynamic. Mm -hmm. And if management believes that they can always follow these, hmm, I doubt it. It is. It is this new way of working where we have to bring the new generation together with the experienced generation and let them really to think about how can we apply new technologies and new solutions on a problem which we want to solve. And this is the creativity aspect, what we need to focus on. We, 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 just that you say, hey, this is not, everybody is here equal. We, we, every, every idea counts and every person should have the space and the safety to speak up. So just think about, you go, you go into a meeting room, how is it many times? The lower levels are not really um, um, feel secure and safe to speak up uh, when, when, when higher level authorities are in the room for different reasons, because they can have a high influence on their careers or they, they don't want to, uh, they think maybe it's stupid what I'm thinking and they have different uh, topics already in mind, or there is the underlying agenda, I don't know, I better say nothing. So in a very creative environment, everyone who is invited in this working group and program, because his, his brain is there required, should have the feeling I'm 
free and open to speak up and to express my ideas. And this is where the great creativity and ideas are coming from. This is what I mean, hierarchy don't count. Everybody is, should be equal and, and, and should feel the, feel the, yeah, the right and also the, uh, the, the, that is a safe environment to speak out. That, that, that's okay uh, to speak up and bring out the ideas. And, and that is exactly what we need in our new um, future factories, these, uh, these, these spaces where everybody can bring these up and, uh, because then magic will happen and creativity comes up. When we are thinking about data democratization, I mean, big data and data analytics is data democratization. So in the past, the, the power was with the hierarchy because they, have, were, they had the information. So they were privileged to information. Now this is not anymore the case. Right. So um, we are bringing uh, the information down to the shop floor. Why? Because we want that the people based on this information are making decisions. This is fast. They are smart. They should base the information on uh, uh, the decision on the information we are, uh, 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 they are able to gather from the system which are in the system where they can pull out. This is democratization. So the hierarchy has not anymore the privilege of information. Now everyone has it. And this is why, I mean, hierarchy doesn't count in this uh, transformation anymore. We have to bring these people together. They are smart. They have different ideas. They have already, they have the access to the information. They are able to use it and they can propose really, really smart ideas. Gunter, this is fascinating. I only think we have time for one question, so Excellent. I'm going to have to ask you to come back and explain a lot more. But in terms of the future, future outlook, in the sense that you know, we've been talking about the future factory, but a lot of it is actually happening now. As you are looking into the, the future, so the future beyond this, the future you're already implementing, yeah. where do you go to get inspiration? So we have talked at length now about experts. Where are the experts who are not in your line currently? Are they at universities? Are they people who are not graduated yet? Are they uh, experts in, in, in government? Where, where do you seek inspiration for the true future outlook for you know, the next decades of factory production? Yeah, the exchange with all of that, what you mentioned, is very important. We, we are completely... So I'm, I'm inspiring my people to go out with universities on, uh, uh, in the exchange uh, with uh, uh, even other industry sectors uh, where we are not related to. Uh, we uh, seek this, uh, the discussion uh, and uh, get inspired uh, by, by nature or just go totally different areas. I'm talking with, yesterday I talked with Samsung who who wants to completely um, revolutionize how trees are plants because trees are not growing fast enough. Very fascinating. And, 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 and just to see how others from other um, um, 
disciplines are trying to solve problems gets a lot of inspiration. Um, be open, go into completely different <laughs> areas and, mm. and, and uh, go into a hospital and see how a hospital tries to, to solve their problem to tr make the best treatment to, to, to their patients. And yeah, that's, that is my uh, way. I inspire my people and also give them the, the, the possibility to experience this. Gunter, it's, it's been a fascinating discussion. I, I thank you so much for sharing your observations and I do hope sincerely I could invite you back because I, I have so many more questions. More than happy to do so, John. Thank you for having me here and looking forward to the next talk. Thank you. Thank you so much. You have just listened to episode 79 of the Augmented Podcast with host Trun Arne Unheim. The topic was the future factory. Our guest was Günther Beitinger, SVP of Manufacturing at Siemens. In this conversation, we talked about digital transformation of the factory floor. My takeaway is that it's pretty clear that the factory of the future will look different from that of the past. What's less clear is the path to get there and exactly what role digital will play in getting us there. What does seem clear is that we still need creative heads. We need people to produce the needed innovations and machines to hum along to the human beat as opposed to the other way around. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, subscribe at augmentedpodcast.co or in your preferred podcast player and rate us with five stars. If you liked this episode, you might also like episode 21, The Future of Digital in Manufacturing. Hopefully, you'll find something awesome in these or in other episodes, and if so, please let us know. Please share this show with colleagues who care about where industry and especially where industrial tech is heading. To find us on social media is easy. We are Augmented Pod on LinkedIn and Twitter and Augmented Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Augmented, industrial conversations that matter. See you next time.